Today we will be in the book of 1 John chapter 5. Why don't you turn over there and meet me in verse 14. And today let's talk about prayer essentials. And by essentials, I mean those things that must be brought into consideration and worked out in order for God to answer your prayer. Praise God. Now, let's pray first before we jump into today's message. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you for this beautiful day. We give you all of the praise, and we ask, O oh God, that the anointing, the illumination of your Holy Spirit would flow that we can hear and understand your word and take it today and apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you for helping us to approach you in a way and talk to you in a, uh, in a way that's pleasing to you biblically so that our prayers can be answered by you. Father, thank you for helping us in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, amen. Now, let's drop down to verse 14, and it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. And there is something that brings a tremendous confidence in asking God for something. Now, when we're talking about asking, really, that would be what is noted in Scripture as supplication. Sometimes, Christians, they talk a lot about intercession. They say, we're going to an intercessory prayer meeting, and they'll go to the prayer meeting, and oftentimes there's not a lot of intercession going on. It's more of what we would call supplication. They're making certain types of requests for perhaps certain needs, maybe for the church or for the ministry or something like that. Intercession is when you're standing in the gap for the lost, and you're, you're praying for the lost. You, you are, in a sense, taking their place because they don't know how to pray. They don't know God. So you're standing in the gap for them, and you're interceding for them. But supplication is when you get into this area of making petitions and requests to the Lord. So sometimes, uh, you know, people will go to a, a prayer meeting, and they'll say, this is an intercessory prayer meeting. But really, they should just call it a prayer meeting because uh, you don't always know what direction the Holy Spirit is going to lead that prayer meeting. So it's good to just lead it open because you may be interceding, you, but it could be supplicating. And so you have to go in the route of the Holy Spirit. So here's something that's fascinating, though. When you come before the Lord, particularly in this area of supplication, you're making a request of God. There's something that you want God to do in your life. If you have this ironed out, and uh, I can't promise you that it, it uh, you'll get it ironed out immediately, although some things you can, but there was others you may have to work it over a little bit. But if you get this straight, you'll have uh, tremendous confidence when you come before the Lord in prayer. And also, it is uh, sometimes... I, I would use the word shocking, and I, I use that word uh, cautiously, but sometimes it can be shocking how fast God can answer a prayer when things are lined up right and we have these prayer essentials baked into the prayer. 
Praise the Lord. I would even say, uh, maybe besides the word shocking, I would also use the word easy. Uh, it, it just, everything lines up right because you're, you've got it in the right order. And so when you ask God, uh, sometimes the prayer is answered and it happens so quick and so easy. You're just like, wow, well, you're doing some things right in that prayer. Cause we know God will do his part, but we need to also do our part. And that is revealed here in this scripture. As we continue, we're about to see it. Now, this is the confidence and you need that. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. One of the greatest things that will strip you of confidence in your prayer time is not really being settled about the thing that you're asking God for. And, you know, you come back next week and you've changed your mind and you go down a different road and you come back a week after that and you've changed your mind again. And uh, maybe it's all on that same subject, but you're not even really sure if that's what God wants you to do, but you're, maybe you're pushing a hit on it and you just, you know, you're like, well, I'll just, it'll, it'll work. I'll, I'm settled with this. <laughs> but uh, if you don't feel in your heart that God's in it, that this is God's plan for you, or this is what the, the route God wants for you, then there can be a lot of uh, hesitation. There can be uncertainty. And if you're just trying to plow through that, you know, well, I'm not, you know, you're overriding your conscience in a sense where, well, you, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm not even really sure about this, but oh, well, I'm just going to ask anyhow. Then the confidence won't be there. And then of course, you know, just time goes on and on and on. Uh, not that, you know, some prayers can't be answered over a lengthy period of time, because sometimes God does that to develop faith and patience in us. Uh, and, and that's okay. But there are some prayers they're they're never going to get answered because they're wrong, and there there is something that is being asked for that is not in the will of God. So this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and that's why we also need to balance Scripture with other Scripture. You can lift some verses out of context. Uh, in the area of teaching about prayer, where it would give the impression, if you didn't have these other verses to balance it, it would give the impression that you can ask God for anything and he'll do it. Almost like God has a blank checkbook and just ask anything and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll fill it in and he'll do it for you. Uh, but it doesn't work like that. And I would say this to you, if there is something that perhaps you're asking God for, but it is not his will for your life, then you should be willing to relinquish that and let that go and really have an attitude of where, Lord, if this is not for me, then may my hands never touch it. And really, even going deeper, may my heart just disconnect from that. Let it not be something that I, I'm pulled towards. Now, I'd better clarify this for those that are young in the faith. When we're talking about asking God for things that would be according to his will, those are things that would line up and agree and harmonize. And it's all in harmony with what God's word reveals belongs to us. So I'm not trying to say, don't ask God for healing. 
No, because healing belongs to you. Woo, praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm not going to ask the Lord for a long life. No, longevity belongs to the people of God, and it also belongs to those who meet certain biblical conditions. Uh, there is one condition that has a promise attached to it, which is honor your father and mother. Now, those that do that, it says, it says that it may go well with them. Okay, that's the first part of that promise. And the second part, that they may live long on the earth. So, living long on the earth or longevity is a blessing that can come to those who are walking with the Lord and, of course, honoring your parents. Now, if you dishonor them, uh, you know, you're going to put yourself uh, on some very unstable ground there. That That's a direct uh, regard to God's word that's being dis disobeyed. And we want to really be in agreement with God's word. So if it's out of bounds of scripture, then we realize let's not ask for that. Uh, but there are so many things that God has for you. God has prosperity for you. God has uh, strength and blessing and anointing for you. God has, you know, provision and grace. God has every good thing that you need. So there is a lot on the table that you can reach for. And I would say, if, if we kind of look at the overall view of the body of Christ, I would have to say there's very few probably that are asking for things that would be considered biblically unlawful. Uh, because uh, your own heart, your own conscience, which is the voice of your heart or the voice of your spirit is going to convict you. If you're asking for something that you know is unbiblical, immoral, uh, illegal, unlawful, or something like that, you just know, hey, why in the world would God do that? That's This is wrong. So God's not going to uh, ever honor something that is disobedient. He can't. That would be a contradiction of his own character and nature. So we want to ask according to his will. But I would have to say, again, coming back to this, that most believers are leaving a lot on the table that they never touch that totally belongs to them. It totally belongs to them. So in the sense of reaching for something that does belong to you, you want to reach for your portion. With the children of Israel, with the 12 tribes, each tribe had their own special allotment of territory, and that territory was theirs. At the same time, there were other nations that would come up to the, the boundaries of the Israeli tribes. And the Lord said to the children of Israel, uh, that does not belong to you. That, that belongs to the people of, you know, this or that uh, nation, you know, Moab or whatever it would be. So that's their land. Leave their land alone. You can't have uh, even one sandal size, footprint size of land that belongs to them. And not only that, you don't need theirs. You've got your own. So you have to reach for your portion. And I would say with great confidence that what God has for you is more than enough. It's big enough. It's, it's uh, got enough blessing in it to put you over for an entire lifetime and even a lot more than that. The things that God has for you 
are enough to keep you busy should you live to be 120. So if there are some things that the Lord says, hey, uh, you know, that's good, but that's not for you, then you should be willing just to say, okay, that's cool. Because something about the time that we are living in, and I realize that for decades now, we have understood that we're in the last days. And, you know, the days keep rolling by, so we're getting deeper and deeper into the end-time scenario that will soon be unfolding uh, that is all uh, recorded in the book of Revelation. It's, it's so amazing to have, uh, you know, the, the final chapter re- revealing who wins and everything already written down, already pre-recorded. But we're living in a time where you certainly don't want to be hindered with something that God looks at and says, you know, it's not that is wrong or sinful. It's just that if, if you have that, you're going to really get tangled up into that. And, uh, it would be best for you not to do that. We all have 24 hours in the day, but you know, you're going to need some time for sleep, some time for food, some time for work, some time for you know family relationships and and good friend relationships and things like that, and then you're going to have some free time. You're going to have time left over that maybe you call it me time, you know, to do the things that make you happy. And it's during those times that you have the ability of how you spend that me time that allows you to either pull closer to the Lord and really lock into his eternal plan for your life and be involved in the kingdom of the Lord that is ever expanding. Now, the kingdom is within. It's within the hearts of men. Eventually, one day, it will be also uh, manifested in the natural with the natural type kingship with Jesus as king ruling over all the earth. But for now, I think it's really good to stay uh, light on your feet and to be in a place where you're mobile and should the Lord have need of you, you can respond instead of bogged down because you have taken on all kinds of responsibilities and all kinds of hobbies and all kinds of commitments that the Lord never asked you to get involved in. Now, we all have something on the inside of us that needs uh, an area that I would call recreation. But a lot of times, this area of recreation has been so enlarged, particularly in American culture, that we have so many options of entertainment and so many options of things to reach for. Uh, And some of these things that you could reach for, they all require a learning curve. You can buy it, but the manual to understand how to do it is this thick, or it takes a year of training, or, you know, on and on it goes. And you only have so much of your 24 hours of the day that you can, uh, you know, explore these various things. And uh, uh, anything really that you also explore or get into, it's it's just like anything else in life. If you want to get good at it, you're going to have to put time into it. So if you take up golf, you know, um, you don't really have fun in golf until you actually start to get kind of good at it. But golf is one of those games that it's not based on brute strength or anything like that. It's all technical. And the only way that you get good at things that have technical skills is repetition over and over and over. So uh, in other words, it takes time. So uh, anything really that you pick up, uh, you just, uh, you're going to have to put a lot of time in it if you really want to get to a place where 
you kind of like are, you know, good at it or something like that. But I think those are things that we have to consider because you can only get good at so many things. Uh, you really uh, want to have just your, your main thing that you excel at, and you don't want to be, as they call it, you know, the jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I don't think that's a good way to live your life. You do want a balanced life, a colorful life. You you will have a uh, a life that has various portfolio elements of it, this, that, you know, relationships, friendships, you walk with God, this, that, and the other. But I would encourage you in your asking things of God to uh, don't go over into areas where you're asking for stuff that even if you have the money to buy it, this might not be the best idea. Praise the Lord. Because money does create new options. It does create uh, new opportunities. And it really is a, it's an element of power. You can do things and step into things that previously you, you couldn't do. So just because you can do it, though, that doesn't mean that you should do it. Mm -mm. You know, there's a lot of ministers uh, that, uh, you know, this whole thing with COVID and uh, a lot of things closing down, uh, there's a lot of filtering and shifting and shaking going on right now. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I, it is amazing how many ministers... Uh, or right at a place where they're saying, you know, I've, I've been in some things that I shouldn't have been into. And the reason I've ended up in this place is because I have gotten so involved in so many things. I've gotten so busy that I neglected my devotional life and my prayer shield went down. And I find myself now uh, in scenarios that I'm having to publicly uh, apologize for and repent for. And I tell you what, those are, those are not fun places to be. That's a, that's a place no man or woman of God would ever want to be in. But there's a lot of exposure. And I believe it's all necessary because in many ways, uh, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And you have to really kick over a lot of hurdles uh, and be a very prideful person uh, for a lot of these things to go public because often God would uh, so often would rather deal with it in, in private and uh, so that uh, the ministry can go forward. But some people, whoo, they think the world revolves around them. And it's not till later they find out it revolves around the Lord. Praise God. But sometimes they, they suffer a lot of loss. Uh, you know what? When you have greater flexibility... It doesn't mean that you need to always use it. Um, one of the greatest runners in the world, he has the world record for the men's 800 meters. That's two laps around the track. And uh, his name is David Rudisha from Kenya. I think he's technically retired now, but he said uh, he said a time that um, it's going to be really, really hard for anybody to ever beat that time. Uh, you know, because the 800 is a very difficult race because you have to have extreme speed, uh, almost sprinter level type speed, but you have to have endurance because it's the half half of a distance of a mile. So it's uh, it's kind of like what they call the thoroughbred race. Uh, it's like the, you know the highest quality runners are going to be in that field. So he ran a time that was so fast and just uh, a couple of Olympics back and, and set the world record that was in the London Olympics. But you know what? Even even with all of the, the fame that he had and all of the wealth that he had and the big shoe contracts and things like that, you know, you could find David Rudisha still back there in Kenya, sitting under a tree eating carrots. 
Now, he could go out and eat steak and stuff like that, but, you know, his body and his physiology and his ability to have this super high, you know, oxygen content ability to, uh, you know, run like a racehorse, he's just like, why would I change things, even if I can't? He said, I'm happy with my life. I love my life, and I like, you know, eating what I eat, living where I live, and, uh, yeah, he had a nice car. He, he He had a few nice things in life, but he didn't go crazy. And because he didn't go crazy, he was able to maintain that uh, very high streak of winning and super fast times much, much longer than what normal people do. You know, you think about these championship teams. Think about a championship football team. They win a Super Bowl. The next thing you know, they're all doing commercials together. The, The moment you see that happening, stuff like that happening, you already know they're starting to go down. And sure enough, the next year they don't win it again. Why? Oh, too much partying, too much, uh, too many open doors, too much, too many opportunities, and uh, and uh, you know, and they lose that edge. They lose that edge. So in the in, in the end times, don't lose your edge, even as the Lord blesses you. Uh, really, be a person that stays in prayer daily, and also uh, you can get real good in prayer when you really iron out this detail of asking according to His will. God does know best; He really does. Um, I, I was asking the Lord about something uh, a little while back, and uh, I felt really good about it. But then uh, I, I just said, well, Lord, I'm not really sure. And I kind of left it hanging. I left it hanging for about three weeks. And um, a, a couple of days ago, the Lord came to me in a vision, and he, he said something to me that answered what I, what it was. Well, I kind of paused on something, didn't know which way to go, yes or no. And he came to me and basically told me to go ahead and go. It was very pleasing to him. But I could also tell that... There are, there are certain things you can do. See, the closer you get to the Lord, if you really know Him, and uh, uh, you have to understand, there are so many Christians, they love the Lord, but they don't walk with the Lord in the sense of really being like, hey, my life is laid out to you. I'll serve you and do anything for you. Uh, that's rare. Uh, you, you may think it's not. Trust me, that, that's rare. <laughs> There's a lot of Christians, they want to go to heaven. They love the Lord, and they are saved. But nobody's going to tell them how to live their life, not even God. And so when the Lord sees a man or a woman, even a, a child, that that is like, Lord, I'll, I'll do anything that you want me to do, then the Lord has somebody special. He's going to work with them in a special way. So you have to understand that when you come into a relationship like that, it, it's different uh, because you, you get yoked to the Lord. But remember, he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So the closer you get, you actually get more freedom. Uh, you know, people sometimes, uh, how can I say, casual Christians, they look at missionaries, they think, oh, that poor missionary who's Uh, you know, squandering his life by having to go overseas and he's missing out on all things. You know, the thing is, no, he's not missing out on anything. (laughs) He's the one that's blessed. (laughs) He looks at you and realizes you don't get it. You, you You don't see it. And he's actually happier in his heart or her heart 
and uh, you know, it's it's just the thing of the heart. So these things are are very fascinating. You have to ask according to God's will, because you're a representative of Him on the earth. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now, even when you get the thumbs up from the Lord, even when you get the green light. Uh, from the Lord. Uh, in other words, you know He's heard, and you ask, you know He's heard. That doesn't mean that you never pray about it again. Uh, I would say that you don't really need to ask for it again from the sense of like, um, you know, you're originally asking for it again. But I would say it's totally fine to keep praying about it because you're, you're, you're bathing that in prayer. You're not saying, Lord, I'm back and I'm asking for that again. Uh, I don't think you heard me the first time. No, you actually know he heard you. Why? You're asking in agreement with his will. Uh, you know that this is good between you and the Lord. Everything's fine. And you're very confident that he's going to do it. That confidence, again, comes from knowing that you've asked according to His will. And so I would say just keep bathing it in prayer. Stay with it. Stay with it. And it'll just, it'll just pop right out. Praise the Lord. It'll happen so often. It can even happen sooner than you think, easier than you think. But this thing of really getting the will of God ironed out is so important it's more important than money. It's more important than the very manifestation of what it is you're asking for. It's just knowing, Lord, is this okay with you and me? Um, I have a book here. This is called The Autobiography of George Mueller. This is available online. Uh, you know, you could pick up one of these at a used bookstore or probably a new bookstore for, you know, five or seven dollars. You can probably get it on the internet for about $3. But um, uh, George Mueller, you know, raised up there in England that beautiful orphanage with all of these children. And he really trusted the Lord for the provision, the feed, and care for all of these uh, young people who had no father or mother. And, uh, you know, he had to take care of the kids, and that's clothing them, feeding them, housing them. He has to have teachers for them and, uh, you know, everything else that goes along with that. And the Lord provided over and over and over again. So he was a really a man that had a really good understanding about faith. But he also learned that the Lord um, required involvement in all of the major decisions. And oftentimes, as Mueller said, even the very small decisions concerning anything to do with that orphanage. So if he was going to expand and needed a new place, Lord, is it okay that if we, is it okay if we uh, buy land or do we buy a building? And the Lord would reveal his will to him. And sometimes the Lord would say, I want you to buy land. And so he would believe God for the money for the land. He would buy the land. And then he'd, like, then he'd be at the next stage. Well, Lord, if I'm going to build, I, I need an architect. So he would pray for God to give him a, you know, a building designer. And then somebody highly skilled as an architect would show up and say, I, you know, I just feel led to uh, render my services to you at no charge to design a building for you. Do you need that? He'd be like, yes, that's exactly what I need. And uh, he would just have answers to prayer over and over and over again. And it was because he was praying according to God's will. And I want to read a, just a very short little example that he gave because he kept a journal. And that's basically what this little book is. It's an autobiography uh, and also his journaling notes of the many answered prayers that God did for him. 
So here's one from January the 12th, 1841. That tells you when he lived, and this is when his uh, ministry was doing very well. And so let me read a day in the life of George Mueller to you. Praise the Lord. Okay, January the 12th, 1841. This is what he said. Today, I received a letter from a brother who gave me the right to draw upon his bank account during this year up to 1,000 pounds. Now, that was a lot of money back then. It may be used for any brother or sister who have it in their hearts to serve as missionaries in the East Indies and whom I consider called for this service as far as I am able to judge. All right, so a rich Christian brother said, look, I, got a, I have a bank account, and uh, you find any missionaries or any missionaries show up, that any people that tell you, hey, we want to be missionaries to the East Indies, uh, in a sense, they, they're already funded before they even ask, because this guy's got the money in the bank, and he's given Mueller permission to pull from that account up to 1,000 pounds. Now, Mueller said this power or the, this blessing, you know, to have access to that account lasted only for that year. Okay, so he's writing about this in January. So he has a whole year, you know, for somebody to walk in, a couple or an individual to walk in and say, hey, I want to be a missionary. And uh, they may not know it, but Mueller's already got the money to fund them completely. Okay, this power lasted only for that year, but no suitable people offered themselves for this service. This is what he said. Finances can be obtained much more easily than suitable individuals. Mm -mm. When he's talking about suitable individuals, he's talking about believers who are qualified to go, who are qualified to do something. That's where the real challenge is. It's not the money. It's finding the qualified people who want to go, who are prepared to go, and are willing to make that sacrifice to go. Now, this is what he said. Indeed, in all my experience, I have found that if I could only settle that a certain thing to be done was according to the will of God, the money was soon obtained to carry it into effect. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you know the perfect will of God and you pray about it, that all you know money for any project or anything you're believing for is going to show up real soon. He had some large faith projects. Usually those were the building projects that he really had to pray on it and stay in faith and keep believing God for the money. But eventually it would all come in. Some, some of the big projects, it didn't happen overnight. But again, I, I agree with him 100%. He said, I have found that if I could only settle that a certain thing to be done was according to the will of God, the money was soon obtained to carry it into effect. So, it's not so much about needing the money or, God, I need this. Uh, Lord, is this okay with you? It's all, it's all in the eyes of God revolving around this one question. Is it God's will for your life? If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. What you're asking, is it according to His will? Praise the Lord. And that's something that I can't answer for you unless it was something scriptural. You know, Pastor Stephen, I'm asking God for this. Well, that, that's fine. That's, that's 
that's perfectly, uh, you know, uh, biblical to ask for that. So, so if it's something biblical, then I could answer that just by based upon the, what uh, the teachings of God's word would instruct us is right and what's wrong. But other questions that get into areas of your own personal walk with God and God's path for you and God's direction for you and, uh, uh, you know, his plan for your life. Those are things that you have to iron out just between you and the Lord. And just because God said yes to somebody else doesn't mean that God would say yes to you. You, you're going to have to go before the Lord. See, Israel really wanted a king. They looked at all of the other neighboring nations. The other nations had their own kings and uh, the kings would uh, raise an army and lead their people off into battle. And the Israelites were like, well, you know, we want that. And they, they told Samuel, the prophet, we want a king. And he said, oh, no, no, don't, don't do this. And uh, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing it. And eventually the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, look, they're, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. So um, the Lord allowed to Israel to have a king. And you know what the Israelites got? They got a king that was just like them, stubborn and carnal and uh, difficult to work with. And uh, <laughs> it was like a mirror image of them. <laughs> now, uh, the Lord did honor their request, but the whole timing was off. Everything was off. And the whole kingship of Saul was really just all in all a big mess. And you know what? Once they got into the mess, it's not like uh, God said, well, now that you realize you've made a mistake, they all cried out, oh, we've, we've made a horrible mistake. And Samuel was like, yeah, you, you really did. But it wasn't like God jumped in there and bailed them out and said, okay, let's just call off this experiment. Let's, let's call it off. No, no, the Lord's like, well, you got what you wanted. And uh, so he's yours. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the next thing they knew, they're, they're now they're getting taxed. They never had those types of taxations before, but oh, now you have a king and a royal court. And so where's the money going to come to pay for all of that? Well, it's going to come out of your own pocket. And so everything else, and just like Samuel said, he said, hey, you want a king? Well, he's going to take your sons from you, whether you want to keep your son or not. Too bad. He's going to come and take them. He's going to add them to the army, and he's going to start taking a portion of your food and a portion of your crops, and on and on it went to the point where uh, when Solomon was king, he was taxing the daylights out of people. And it was not good. It was not good. So uh, there is a place for righteous government. Uh, it's never going to be right until the Lord comes and rules and reigns over the whole earth from Jerusalem. Now, David will be king over Israel. The 12 apostles will uh, govern over each tribe. But the Lord himself, during the millennium or the 1,000-year reign of Christ, he will be governing over the whole planet. Praise the Lord. And he'll show the world, finally, how it's supposed to be done the right way. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So ask according to his will, and then stay on that. Just, Lord, I've got it. I'm dialed in and stay on it and just pray it in, believe it in, praise it in, thank God for it. Uh, uh, put works to that faith. You know, one of the best things uh, of giving evidence that you believe you've received it is just praising God in advance for it, thanking Him for it. But yes, continue to pray over it, not from the sense of you're asking for it over and over again, but just you're just praying, Lord, I thank you for it. 
I praise you for it. I know you've heard my prayer. Lord, I just continue to pray on that. I thank you that it's coming in. I thank you that you're touching hearts or whatever the situation might be concerning that thing that you're believing God to do. Mm -mm. Praise God. Wow. Some of these things you can have brought into your life out of your own selfish nature. God, do this for me. God, do this for me. And the next thing you know, you have the ability to do it and you go out and do it. And then you're like Israel with a Saul. You're like, "Uh Oh, what have I just done? But you can't get out. Maybe you signed a contract or maybe you bought something and then you can't give that back. They're not going to give you a refund on that. Now you're stuck with it. Now what do you do with it? <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. These things can be very interesting. While one minister talked about how he wanted a zebra, uh, for some strange reason, he was reading a travel brochure and saw uh, an African travel brochure and saw a picture of a zebra. And he thought, oh, I would love a zebra. And he got a zebra. Uh, wasn't God's will for him, but he got a zebra. And uh, they had, uh, whoever he bought it from had put it out into a special pen that he made. And so uh, he comes home one day and sees that the zebra that he ordered is there out in the pen. So he opens up the door and, uh, you know, the gate to the pen, goes out into the pen to greet the zebra. And that thing looked at him and fire flashed in the eyes of that animal. And it came after him and it wasn't coming after him to greet him. It was coming after him to trample him. And he saw what was going on and he got out of that gate just as fast as he could. And by the time he barely got that gate closed, that animal was right up on it ready to take him apart. (laughs) So he said he sold the zebra to two cowboys. And man, was he ever glad to get rid of that zebra. He said about three days later, those cowboys came back and said, man, he said, what in the world is up with that zebra? He said, they said, that thing tried to kill us. He said, I know. He said, that's why I sold it to you. It tried to kill me too. (laughs) So, you know, hey, this thing of asking for, uh, you know, all, all these different things and, uh, the next thing you know, you have a problem or you're just like, uh, uh-oh, wow. Mm. There's a lot of stories I've heard of, you know, some people, I, I won't go into this one thing, but uh, two things. Let me touch this area. Two things that anybody who's ever owned them say that there's two days that were the greatest days of their life. One, the day they bought it. Number two, the greatest day of their life, the day they got rid of it. Okay. And that would be a yacht or motor home praise the Lord. And uh, they're so happy the day, they, the day that they get it. But then you get into it and you start to use it and you realize, oh, wow, this needs maintenance. And uh, oh, this broke. And uh, oh, how do we fix that? Oh, now, now we have to haul it to here or there to get it fixed. And uh, whoo, you know, years later, they sell it and they're like, whoo, goodbye, good riddance. And uh, I've seen I've seen countless people go through that. <laughs> they have their happy moment, and then reality hits. <laughs> oh, some of these things we learn, but at the same time, we should learn. We should learn, and we should be like, you know, I'm going to be very selective on my asking, especially when you have a God that is well able to answer prayers. And so we want to ask according to his will. And he loves us. And he doesn't want us to be tangled up in weird, goofy things that, that now they've, uh, they've complicated our lives. 
Mm, praise the Lord. Maybe I should add timeshares into that. You know, you have you have motorhomes and you have boats and uh, yachts and but I, I, you know I, I see people they get into these timeshares. I can't believe people are crazy enough to do it. But you know, there's some really good salesmen out there. They could literally sell anything, and uh, so people buy these timeshares, and they make all these crazy payments for twenty or twenty-five years. And, uh, you know, and uh, the great day is when they, they go to their timeshare, but the greatest day is like, whew, it's finally over. We got out of it. Thank God. Because the truth is most people never use those, or if they do use them, uh, it's never what it was promised. So these are all things that are learned. But I think that if we really will weigh God's word and ask according to his will, and when you get a check in your spirit, or sometimes a direct answer from the Lord, that's, that's not going to work out good. Wow, I think we should really put on the brakes, praise God. Now at the same time, there are so many things that the Lord says, yes, that's okay, that's okay. And, uh, and it is okay. And it, you'll get, you'll get that, that peace, that inward witness of the Holy Spirit, that you know it's okay. Hallelujah. And you'll feel joy in your heart, and the, the whole process will be blessed. I think that's what's so good is that when God is in it, it's smooth, and it really is true happiness. You can really enjoy the moment. And you know, even a couple of years later, it's still a pleasant experience. Anything with God, the entire thing will be a pleasant experience. Praise the Lord. Let's uh, connect this with 1 John chapter 3. And this would be the classic verses here in verse 21 uh, and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Again, this confidence is amazing. The confidence of being in right standing with God, knowing that because of who you are in Christ, uh, brings you into that position uh, before the Father of being in right standing. Verse 22, and whatever we ask. Now, you know, and now some people have run wild with that, but you can't go wild on it just because of what uh, he said in chapter 5, uh, verse 14, and so forth. So you have to keep that in balance. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because, now this is very important, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So I really do believe that if we break God's commandments just continually, maybe even purposely, and we do those things that are displeasing in his sight, it really does short-circuit faith. Even if you say the right things in your head, and even if you intellectually think, well, you know, I, you know, this is all okay. Um, if you're just breaking God's commandments all the time, then uh, your heart is not right with God. And you have to really have a clean conscience between you and the Lord, and as much as possible between you and others so that you can go before the Lord with a clean heart and a clean conscience and ask God in prayer, knowing that there's no unforgiveness in your heart, knowing that you're not practicing habitually some type of uh, thing that would dishonor the Lord. And it brings a great confidence. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments. Now, you can be a sinner and do certain biblical things that are principles. And because you are following biblical principles, such as financial principles of saving and, you know, 
looking for good deals. And uh, you see some of these large corporations that they are secular in nature. You know, nobody's up there in those corporate board meetings praying. But, you know, they have run their business so well with biblical principles and godly, you know, business ethics that uh, they, they may have so much money that they buy another business for, you know, three or five million dollars, excuse me, billion dollars sometimes because they're doing so well. So those those principles will work even for an unbeliever, but not in the area of prayer because prayer is only for the children of God. But even as a child of God, you want to obey the commandments of God because there is blessing associated always with obedience. Praise the Lord. So if there's any area in that uh, department where certain commandments of God's Word are being violated just continually over and over, then I would say, yes, that can affect your prayer life. You want to clean that up and uh, spend time with the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, you know, this is something that maybe has defeated me before, but I'm here today just to draw strength from you and to overcome that. And if you walk close with the Lord, absolutely, you can overcome any besetting sin. Absolutely, praise God. God's grace and power is there for you, but you must draw upon it. You must draw upon it. That's why some are bogged down. I, I know some uh, Christians, they love the Lord, but they have been bogged down not just for a few years, for a couple of decades, and they're, they're just never going to draw near. Are they saved? Are they going to heaven? Yes. But do they really seek after God? No, not, not really. They, they seek after the, the sporting event. They're not going to miss that for anything. <laughs> but, but that's also why they can't throw off those besetting sins, because they're not near enough to the Lord to receive that impartation of His strength and of, of His power and of His beauty, so that they could rise up and really begin to soar with Him. And of course, along with that comes answered prayers. Wow. And it is. It's electrifying. It's electrifying when God answers your prayers. Um, I think we would all admit that, that it is always a a very beautiful, sacred thing. Praise God. But just um, keep that element in there of God's will. Lord, I want to pray according to your will. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, One good prayer that will help you. Now, you could always meditate on the Word because the Word gives God's standards. It gives God's commandments, His principles. So you can meditate on the Word and you can pray over that. But here's also just a direct prayer that just hits directly that questioning of God of wanting to know His will. And since it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, you can pray it every day. It's still my favorite prayer in the Bible, and I really like it because it's a New Testament or prayer found in the New Covenant. So we know that it's for us. It's for the believers. Paul wrote to the believer. That would be you and me. And it's Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, which begins this prayer by saying, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Now watch this. And this is critical. It's not that you're just praying to know God's will. God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Okay, you're already going to be ahead of 90% of the others in the body of Christ 
who don't even really care. They're just, they're just going through life. But when you want to know what God's plan for your life is or His will for your life is, uh, you can pray that. God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. But here's the icing on the cake that you need to also include in this prayer. Fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So you can begin to get a good picture of God's will for your life. But some of the things that you're picking up on, some of the things you're sensing or maybe even seeing, you need to also have the wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, wisdom and spiritual understanding will question, is that for now or is that for later? What we're picking up on, yes, it's from God, and yes, it's for us, but should we focus or push on that now, or is that an assignment that we can put more weight on that later? Praise the Lord. So that's where you want to just incorporate that prayer. Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Praise the Lord. And that will help you not just to know God's will, but how to apply it, when to apply it, where to apply it, and things like that. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. But my friends, just take it before the Lord. Uh, I would say definitely bring the big things of your life before the Lord. But the closer you get to Him, uh, even even the smaller things. Now, I'm not going micro level, okay? We're not talking about, Lord, should I, uh, Lord, what is your will for me, the Coke or Pepsi? Lord, what is your will for me, the, the bag of M&M's uh, candy or the Snickers bar? Uh, you don't really need to get into all of that. Um, you know, unless, unless you're about to, you know, there are certain things you can eat uh, that can do, uh, it, it can hurt the complexion of your skin. And I know before I do recordings, particularly for television, don't eat, don't eat the, you know, Reese's Pieces candy, you know, or stuff like that. It'll do a number on your skin. Uh, certain things you learn that in life as you get older, hey, that's not good. So it could be if you're about to eat something, it could be the Holy Spirit would be like, that, that's not God's will for you. <laughs> don't eat that. <laughs> Maybe some other time. Sure. Don't eat that right now. That's not going to be, that's not, you're going to regret that by tomorrow when you have to go in front of the camera because uh, makeup can do a lot, but sometimes uh, there are some things that makeup could struggle to cover. Praise the Lord. So why, why, why do that? Why eat that when you could eat, just get something else? Praise the Lord. But usually, you don't have to go micro level, but I would say other times on some things that you may think, oh, that's not that important. Maybe to the Lord it is, because the closer you get, uh, the more involved he does get uh, in these various chambers of your heart. So I would just say, cover, cover it all in prayer. Anything that the Holy Spirit is bringing up to you into your thought life while you're praying, uh, just go ahead and cover it. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll take my pen and my, my journal or not so much a journal, but like a notepad and I'll just write it out, you know, cause I've got like four or five things that pop up. And so I'll just write them all out. Now, Lord, what do you think about this? Is this a good idea? Is it, or this, you know, like, what do you think about this and kind of cover it. And, uh, sometimes the Lord also will speak through other people, not directly where they start saying, thus saith the Lord, but they'll maybe bring up something that you've actually been thinking about or wondering about, and they'll bring it up or they'll discuss it, or God will send somebody your way that maybe has knowledge of that, or is an expert in that area. And they'll just kind of come in and start talking. And, uh, 
and you're thinking, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, that's the Lord helping you. Uh, sometimes some of the decisions we have to make, uh, it's more than just the Lord giving you an answer. It's also acquiring the necessary knowledge so that you can be in, informed. And sometimes just that information alone is enough. You can get your answer. It's not like you need a voice out of heaven to speak to you. You can make a decision on that now based upon the information that you have. But the Lord is very helpful. Just bring it all before Him in prayer. Uh, get a good sense of what is God's will for your life, what is not. And I would kind of drift back to this thing again, like don't get your life all cluttered up. Not right now. There's too much going on. Mm-mm. I mean, this might be heavy for some of you, but Paul writing to the church in Corinth said, hey, I would even recommend that if you're single and you, you can like keep your cool, you know, in other words, like you, you can like uh, maintain your singleness. Paul even said, I would encourage you to stay single. I, I wouldn't encourage you to get married uh, mainly because of the times. Now, uh, culture and things like that have even deteriorated, but uh, in, we're, plus we're a lot closer to the Lord's return but I would just say, I would say, you know, ask the Lord about these things. Asking, you know, Lord, what is your will for my life in this area? Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. The Lord doesn't always say yes. And you know what? It's okay. You'll find out that even if he says no, uh, there'll be happiness in that, in that no. The reason I'm teaching this message is because when the Lord appeared to me, a couple days ago, he was wearing the crown of thorns. Now, you, you and I both understand that he wore the crown of thorns uh, 2,000 years ago when he was there uh, being, uh, you know, just really worked over by the uh, Roman soldiers, and they stuck that on his head and crucified him with it uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so he's not in heaven right now walking around with the, uh, with the crown of thorns. Uh, but he he can do things that uh, give a prophetic symbolism. So when he appeared to me, he, uh, he actually had the crown of thorns on his head. And when he spoke to me, he, he had to speak through the, the anguish that that, that that pain was causing him. And I knew what he was also saying to me. You don't always get everything that you want in life. And it's not that the Lord's trying to not bless you or hold back on you. It's just that for your life, uh, there may be some things that are not on the, the platter, Maybe they offer somebody else. That's fine. That's great. I'm not, I'm not envious or jealous of them. But with your life, uh, it, it could be that the Lord, um, you know, would say no on certain things. And uh, he certainly had to understand that with his life. Uh, his life was, um, it, it had a very, it, well, it had the highest purpose. Okay. So that meant because of that, there were a lot of other things he had to say no to. Uh, it just wasn't on the agenda. So when you get closer to the Lord, sometimes you identify that because it's, uh, there can be some anguish in that. Some anguish like, oh, Lord, how come I can't go out and play like all the other kids can? You know, that's what a child says, you know, who's got to stay at home and finish his homework. But, you know, of course, then that child later grows up to be the genius or grows up to, uh, you know, have something extra or special because while all the others were doing what they wanted, he was doing something that had more of a long-term planned effect that paid off later. So God knows what he's doing. You know, embrace uh, all that he has for you. It's all good, even when it's related to the cross. And it would seem like this is a difficult thing to carry. 
Praise God. But it's, it's what God has for you, and it's all good. Praise the Lord. There is joy in serving the Lord. There's joy in serving the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I, I can't help but think of uh, one uh, Catholic priest. His name, I've talked about him often. It was Joseph of Cupertino uh, from uh, Osimo, Italy. Now, he was born in Cupertino. That's why he was associated with that village. And um, he lived from 1603 to 1663. He was known in church history as the Flying Monk. Uh, although I could, I could uh, probably list at least 50, probably more, uh, at least 50, very easily, 50 people that also were known for levitating and, and just being flown all over by the Holy Spirit. Physically, I'm talking physically going up. Uh, not just in the Catholic circles, but even in evangelical uh, circles. And I've got pictures. I've got I've got pictures on my phone, even of Pentecostal ministers off the floor while they were preaching, suspended in the air by the Holy Spirit. So this this is a body of Christ thing. This is not just a Catholic thing. But um, the thing with Joseph of Cupertino, of course, was that you know he was just up you know so often. <laughs> they said he probably spent more time in the air than he actually did on the ground. Praise the Lord. So that's why he was known as the flying monk. But, you know, he had a situation one time because of his unique calling. Um, you know, and he, you know, how can I say? He served under various popes. He did go to Rome once, and he met the pope that was pope at that time. And he was so excited when he met the pope that he started, you know, uh, up he went in the air all over the place. And the, the pope even said, you know what? When this guy passes away, if, if, if you need a witness in his canonization, he said, I'll certainly give testimony. I've seen him flying before my own eyes. But um, because of all of that flying around and the Holy Spirit lifting him up whenever Joseph would go into a trance, um, the Catholic leadership was very wise. And the Pope and the leaders uh, that, you know, his advisor said, you know, we've got to take this guy and put him in the most remote monasteries of Italy because uh, he's, he's different. He's special. This is not something for the masses that, you know, this is not something for, you know, journalists to come out and write about. This is something holy. So they put him in the most remote monasteries. And uh, while he was in one of those monasteries, um, he so badly wanted to go out and join a like a uh, a parade that was you know every year the the little village would have a parade and everybody would come out all the citizens would come out and all of the priests and the monks would uh, go out they would march uh, through the city and uh, uh, you know carry statues and uh, glorify the Lord and it was some kind of special feast day or something like that you know how it is in the Catholic Church every day is a feast day <laughs> which is wonderful praise God and so. Um, uh, but Joseph couldn't go. He was never allowed ever to go outside of the monastery, ever. And so he was there in this little bitty, you know, cell where he would pray. And he told the Lord, he said, Lord, um, he said, can I go? W would you maybe give the, you know, the abbot, the father of the monastery, uh, give him permission for me to get out and go? And uh, But, you know, they would never let him out. Not he, The ruling was from Rome, the headquarters there in Rome, uh, the, from the Vatican. No, never let him out. So it was always a no, no, no. So he was there. Lord, uh, he was praying, Lord, is there any way you could let me out? I would just love to be in that parade with my brothers. And uh, the Lord took him into a vision and showed him uh, many of the brothers, the monks that were marching in that parade, 
and he the Lord showed Joseph that many of them that were marching, even some of the ones carrying the cross and even quoting scriptures, they marched. The Lord showed that some of them did not, uh, particularly the ones that were being vocal, carrying the cross and uh, uh, reading verses, they did not have their hearts right with him. They had they had areas of strife, areas of jealousy, you know, jealous, uh, jealous of their brother or stuff like that. And when he saw all of the discord that was in that group, he said, Lord, thank you for not allowing me to go. Now I actually don't want to go. <laughs> and the Lord didn't want him in that. He didn't want him in, in that, you know, all that jealousy and competition. And uh, uh, just like in a corporate arena, that can get into a church. I've seen it get into ministries. It could get into a monastery. And uh, those things can really grieve the Holy Spirit. So sometimes... Uh, you know, you have to realize if the Lord says no, it's not like He's trying to dampen your fun. He's He's guarding you, He's protecting you, and the closer you get, He can He can be very very. Um, uh, there there's a righteous jealousy, there is a righteous jealousy, and the Lord wants you for Himself. Hallelujah! You're not a uh, you're not a commodity for you know everybody to just. Uh, eat up and devour. Praise the Lord. And there are, there are those who are called to public ministry. I'm called to public ministry. You know, that's why I'm sitting here, and that's why I, you know, talking to you, and I go out and do meetings and things like that. But there are some things, there are times when God says, turn the camera off. This is not for public consumption. There are some stories, there are some things, don't tell it. When Jesus came off of the, the mountain where the transfiguration took place, the first thing he said to Peter, James, and John, don't tell this vision to anybody until after I have been raised from the dead. Now, of course, they really wondered what he meant by being raised from the dead, what all that meant, but they did get the point. Don't tell the story. This is not for us to come down and tell everybody. Uh, it, to do it, to tell, would do more harm than good. It would just confuse people. So there are some things you can share. There are some other things, uh, no, you can't share them, at least not in this setting or perhaps during this time or amongst this group. So now later they could talk about it, and that's why we have uh, those stories recorded in the various gospel accounts of the transfiguration experience. But at that point, Jesus said, when it happened, don't tell this to anybody. Praise the Lord. And so, my friends, the Lord, you get close to Him. Things are different, even with the way you pray, even with what you ask for. And it's been said before, but be very careful what you ask, because if it's all good to go, you're, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. If you really hang in there, keep praying, stay on it in faith, you're, you're, you're going to get it. So you really need to know up front, is this what you want before it shows up? Because it's coming. Praise the Lord. So, you know, we are all made in a, in a way where we have a maximum capacity, even your, your soul, from the level of uh, the, the ability to, uh, you can only have so many conversations in the day before your mind gets tired and, you, and you're like, I can't do one more text. I can't do one more phone call. I am totally emptied out. You have a place, we all have a place where you hit that maximum level. So the last thing you want to do is so stack your life so full that uh, you're, you're just like now being pushed into overload all the time. That's not good. 
that's not good. Praise the Lord. My friends, the, the, the throne of heaven is open right now. I'm getting this very strong in my spirit. The, the very courtroom of God is open. Go before the Lord and tell the Lord what your supplication or petition is. Say, Lord, this is what I want. Lord, but I also want to make sure that this is okay with you. Lord, what do you think about this? And uh, talk it over with the Lord. Don't rush in. Don't rush out. Enjoy your time with God. And uh, give, the time, uh, give the Lord time to respond. He may respond in that prayer session. He may not. But just talk it over gently with the Lord and bring it before the Lord. He would really appreciate that. He wants to be involved in every, every major decision of your life. And even, uh, and even in some ways, even in the smaller areas, you'll find out he would love to get into that area, be involved in that too. And he would like for you to seek his wisdom on that. So heaven's wide open. Go before your father in prayer. Pray to him in the name of Jesus. Talk to him uh, like you would talk to a best friend. Uh, pour your heart out to God. Yes, we understand. We'll keep the element of reverence and respect there because he is our heavenly father. But he wants to. He wants you to talk to him from your heart. Um, don't go before him with all kinds of theological terms like you've got to be, you know, talking like that. That that's not the real you. Uh, a lot of theologians uh, can sometimes be real dry, and their teaching on God is almost like the same. Uh, they might as well be teaching on dinosaurs. They're they're teaching about something that they have book knowledge of, but they do not. Uh, let me say it like this. They've never met a dinosaur. So in the same way, they've never had intimate encounters with the Lord. So uh, the last thing you want to do is like use these long words or, you know, start saying thee and thou and stuff like that. You don't need to do that. Just go before the Father and talk to him from your heart. And he'll be very happy to see you there in his throne room. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people. I pray you bless them. Let them be on target with their request. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. It's going to be good. Some prayers are going to get answered real quick. Others, yes, there will be that faith development, uh, but they're going to be encouraged because some things are going to come lightning fast, literally even on the same day. Father, we give you praise for it. We thank you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. We agree and pray and say, Amen. Praise God. If you've watched today's program, but you do not know God as your Father, and you don't know Jesus, his son, or the Holy Spirit, today can be your day of salvation. If you would like to get your life right with God, or if you're a backslidden Christian and you're away from God and you've, you're in all kinds of sin and darkness, it's time for you to come back too. If you're watching and you want to get your heart right with God, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sin away. Give me your newness of life. Give me that new life of your, of your own life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you now. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for saving me right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, he has now become the Lord of your life. Now live for him and serve him. Hallelujah. Praise God. And if you have prayed that prayer, email me. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. Now let's take Holy Communion together. 
And if you've just become a Christian, you can do that with us and the other believers that are gathered around the internet right now. Just grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. You can buy them in any Christian bookstore. You could buy them online or just use a little cracker if that's all that you have. And uh, you can use uh, grape juice. That's, that's what I use. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it, and we pray a prayer of sanctification and set this apart as holy. This is a prayer of consecration. This is set apart as something sacred and holy. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, when we look at it with our physical eyes, we still see a little wafer and juice. But we thank you that the body and the blood of Christ is veiled or hidden through this grape juice and this little piece of bread. Father, we thank you that when we receive this, we are receiving the flesh of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that all of your promises are yes and amen. Help us to jump in there and, and pray through them and take what rightfully belongs to us and move forward in the unique callings and path that you have for each and every one of us as individuals and also as a corporate body, collective body of believers. Thank you, Father. We receive the Lord's body now in his name. Amen. Let's partake. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus flowing and cleansing us continually from all sin, from all unrighteousness. And we thank you also for this amazing blessing of the new covenant of having a clean conscience before you where all of our sins are washed away, forgiven, and even forgotten. Thank you, O God. We receive that. And we receive the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for answering our prayers uh, and helping us to pray according to what is your will for our lives. Woo! Glory. Glory. Praise God. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us always bring it before you for your blessing and for your approval. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Could you imagine being a Christian and you're going to get married and you don't even ask God what he thinks about your potential spouse? Hello. Woo. Somebody's been out to lunch. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. But yet Christians do it all the time. Mm, and, and then when it doesn't turn out good, God, it's your fault for giving me this, this wife or this husband. God's like, I didn't give you, that's your own doing. I tried to tell you, but you never even asked me. Can I share a tip uh, that I've learned through personal encounters with the Lord that's not in any commentary or any theological book that you're going to read? Can I tell you something right now worth more than gold? For those of you that stuck around all the way to the end of this message, even after the communion, <laughs> here it is. There are some things that the Lord knows. Now, you, you and I both know He knows everything, right? Okay, He's God. But let me say it like this. There are some things that God knows about you that He will not tell you unless you ask Him. Even if it's imperative that you know, even if it's extremely important that you know, there are some things he just flat out won't tell you unless you ask him. So I would highly encourage him. I would highly encourage you say, Lord, 
hey, uh, if there's something that I don't know that I need to know, Lord, I'm all ears. Now, Pastor Stephen, why wouldn't somebody pray a prayer like that? Because they're loaded with pride, just like a baked potato, loaded with butter and sour cream and chives. And uh, there are some Christians so loaded with pride, they're like a baked potato. They think they know more than God. They wouldn't ask Him for anything. They've got all the answers, or so they think. That's why their life is so dry and cooped up and goofy and unspiritual, because they are excluding God from their life not from the area of salvation, but from the area of laying their life down and being led by Him. Really, God just wants His best for you. He knows what's best. If you'll let go and let God, He'll lead you into pastures that are so green, that are so pleasing, that are so happy. Praise the Lord. He, he's the original manufacturer of you. He knows how you tick. He knows what makes you work. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So there are some things that God knows that He won't tell you unless you ask Him, even, even if it's extremely important that you know them. And he can you can have a visitation from Jesus. He can stand right in front of you. He won't say a word about it. I've had this happen before. But because I've asked while He was there, He answered me. And later I thought, my goodness, what if I had not have asked that of him? Now, you may not have a vision, but you can go before your father in prayer and still get the same result. You can still find out if you really want to know. Heaven is open right now. The throne is open. Go before your father. He's waiting for you. Thank you for joining me today. I'll see you back next time. Till then, stay richly blessed.